Section 29 of A Short History of France by Mary Duclos. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Pamela Nagami. Part 4. Chapter 1. The Reign of Terror. Part 2. Sunday, the 2nd of September, 1792. Was a fine day. Agreeable weather, notes Gouverneur Morris. But the sunshine looked black enough in Paris for the news came that morning of the fall of verdun the prussians were six days march from the capital dumouriez with his army was on the front in the north between the prussians and paris there was only kellerman with his little army of volunteers i would not for the world palliate the massacres of the second third fourth and fifth of september they after the saint bartholomew are the deepest stain on the glorious robe of france but we in our own days know the madness induced by spy fever and the political prisoners in the jails of paris were reckoned as conspirators and spies i would not say that danton designed and ordered those massacres but it is clear he did nothing to prevent them c'est moi qui ai tout fait he said to the duke of chartres que m'importe Appelé buveur de sang, he cried to the convention. It was no popular movement, but a got-up affair, wrote another demagogue, Robert Lindet. It is probable that the commune set the riot in movement, and Danton, minister of justice, moved no finger when the commune's paid murderers broke into the prisons of Paris, and in five days steady work assassinated between twelve hundred and sixteen hundred political prisoners for the thing suited his book and probably they were spies non ragionum di lor if every great movement has its good and its bad angel then on the slopes of the argonne a voluntary sacrifice attested the nobler spirit of the revolution on the little hill of valmy under their new tricolour flag Kellerman's volunteers in their wooden shoes and rough blue jackets rushed on the Prussians to the strains of the Marseillaise, shouting, Vive la Nation! They carried the day. When, on the following Saturday, the Republic, one and indivisible, came legally into being with the vote of the new assembly, the Prussian army, in retreat, had turned its banners toward the Rhine. The Austrians were still in the north, no peace had confirmed the retirement of the prussians and france was still on the verge of civil war without an ally without money or munitions with an improvised army of ignorant volunteers it was in these conditions that the jacobins invented their splendid programme of reforms which gave fourteen armies to the republic and made france once more the first great power in europe they had to invent to this end a system of policy not only novel in itself but in disaccord with all their dearest theories they had to improvise in the heat of battle a centralized government which was the pure negation of the sovereignty of the people the rights of man and individual liberty they had in the words of marat to oppose the despotism of freedom to the despotism of kings on the very morrow of valmy the jacobins of paris confronted with the dire need of finding and furnishing an adequate armed force for the defence of the territory 
struck out a new conception of property. In their eyes, private wealth was no longer an intangible family heritage and personal satisfaction. It was, although entrusted to the temporary keeping of individuals, the last resource and the last reserve of the state, its forlorn hope, and as such, always liable to be required and requisitioned in any mortal extremity of the nation. In time of war, and especially in case of invasion, not a drop of French blood, not a coin of French gold, could be esteemed private property. The country had a prior claim on all possessions. Industry, counsel, fortune, labor, these are gifts that most of us can bestow. We all can give our blood. Let each of us be found at his post. Let the young men fight. Let the fathers of families forget their arms and transport their ammunition, while the women sew their tents and their uniforms and nurse the wounded. The very children can make lint and fold a bandage. Henceforth our houses must all be barracks, our marketplaces workshops. The Republic is one great beleaguered city, and all of France a military camp. Such were the measures proposed by Barrère, the translator of Young's Night Thoughts, in the name of the Committee of Public Safety. Almost the first act of the convention was to put the king upon his trial. If a legitimate king can be guilty of high treason to his revolting subjects, I suppose that Louis the Sixteenth was guilty. It is certain that he had summoned the foreigner into France, that he intrigued against the constitution he had accepted, but it was in defense of his life and his crown. From the first day of the trial it was clear that the Gironde desired to save the king. The Gironde was not, like the Mountain, a sect of fanatics with a dogma to enforce. The Mountain was a block. The Gironde was compact of many varieties in one opinion. There were constitutionalists and there were republicans, but both alike upheld the earlier principles of the revolution, the reverence for justice, the cult of law, the firm faith in the sovereignty of the people. The Constitution had declared the person of the king inviolable. Therefore, said the Girondins, even if the king has done wrong, it is impossible to behead the king without consulting on so grave a subject the sovereign people. They wished to go to the country to gain time, and were certain that a referendum would support their views. But the criterion of the mountain was not law nor principle. They considered the present safety of the country, the salut public. It was expedient that one man should die for the people. They averred, and it is probable they were right, that a referendum could only result in civil war. Their one chance, they thought, was to intimidate royalists and constitutionalists alike, to threaten the Gironde, to throw down the gauntlet to all the monarchs of Europe, and by cutting off the head of a traitor king, Louis le Traite, as Barrère called him, to place between France and her invaders in irreparable crime an obstacle to any possible pact or peace. You are not judges, you are and can be only statesmen. Vous n'êtes point des juges. Vous n'êtes et ne pouvez être que des hommes d'état, 
said robespierre to the tribunal of the convention caesar was stabbed in the senate and two-and-twenty dagger thrusts were judged a sufficient formality remarked saint just what the mountain wished was a coup d'etat boldly accepted inspired by a political necessity the mountain said as danton had said in september i looked my crime straight in the face and i chose it this terrible doctrine of the salut public has always haunted the logical imagination of the french and its apparitions have constantly heralded misfortune the saint bartholomew is the example that rises at once to one's mind but there are earlier ones such as the murder of the knights templar under philippe le bel and later ones for instance the revocation of the edict of nantes last of all there was the dreyfus affair the raison d'etat has always been the bane of france End of section twenty nine